the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the third hour of the Stefan Tubbs Show. It is friend of Stefan sitting in here today, guest hosting, honored to be here. Matt Dunn, the Backbone Radio Guy, Sundays, 4 to 7 p.m. At Backbone Radio on Twitter slash X. Got the podcast out there from the Sunday show that punches above its weight, and we just, we have fun on Sundays. Once in a while, I'll show up on a weekday and spread the good word as best I can. And thought I'd play off of what great caller Lynn from Evergreen was just saying. She was mentioning the name Nikki Haley as maybe potential to go somewhere in the Republican primary. And uh, I'm, I'm skeptical about about her chances to uh, get anywhere. But I have noticed that after the Fox News debate that Trump did not participate in, he was talking to Tucker Carlson instead and got a lot more views, apparently, if the stats are to be believed. But Frank Luntz came out and lauded the debate performance of Nikki Haley uh, on Twitter slash X. And then he was then hounded pretty badly in the comments under the tweet, of course. Uh, and um, I've noticed that, you know, you see in uh, there's a big article in Politico that is saying that, you know, DeSantis, oh, the wheels have fallen off the never back down bus. He's just his donors are abandoning him and it's looking grim. And uh, apparently some of the donors are thinking, Nikki Haley, that's going to be the ticket. This is a fellow named uh, Rauner, former Illinois Governor Bruce Rauner, R-A-U-N-E-R, who is a wealthy private equity guy. Seems like that's where it's all at these days. Have you noticed that? Um, he's a former private equity executive who was DeSantis's 15th biggest donor in the uh, 2022 election. But he's not giving any more money to DeSantis because he thinks Nikki Haley has a better shot of defeating President Joe Biden than DeSantis. And Rauner says this, I think DeSantis has done a terrific job as governor of Florida, and I've been, as I think you know, a big supporter of him in that role. But I think Nikki Haley probably has the best chance to win the general election. I think everyone is trying to sort things out. We got to win. We got to win the general election, and I, I don't know, folks. Is there any uh, Nikki Haley juggernaut out there? Is there any individual out there who would be excited about Nikki Haley being the next DeSantis? I was just pointing out that, yeah, her polling, she's around 5%. Um, that's what the 538 poll, she, she's well, 5% to Trump's... Uh, 61% in the primary. I, I would just say, 
I don't see it happening, and I, I do think Nikki Haley has been too far down in the polls for so long, and her star has maybe kind of faded going back a couple of years. I think maybe a few years ago there might have been a little bit more, but I think the big donors kind of went with DeSantis, and they, they focused on DeSantis being the guy to be the, uh, the non-Trump winner of the primary, of course, and that's, that's not faring well. And I think, I don't know, can Nikki like be so far back behind for so long and then suddenly rise? Does that happen? But Nikki Haley, I've got a, where's my Nikki Haley clip? She's, she's very emphatic about the Ukraine war that, uh, hey, you know, we must defeat Russia. And it's very important for America to be involved in the Ukraine war and send the billions over there. And here's how she says it. European countries have given more than us. So let's focus on real facts and not scare people into this. The truth is a win for Russia is a win for China. (coughs) Fact. The other thing is we have to understand that the way we win is make sure Ukraine finishes this. Look at what they've done. Look at how far they've gone. And don't underestimate the fact that Putin is a murderer. We saw that with Prigozhin. We know what he's capable of. He, I worked with him in the U.N. He and China made no bones about the fact that they want to destroy us. Let's not take our eye off that ball. There we go. That's Nikki Haley. And by the way, that was a recorded clip. I believe that's on Fox News. And somebody was coughing all the way through that clip. I just wanted to let you know that was not yours truly, Matt Dunn. That was not Mr. Nichols behind the glass. That was somebody at Fox News <laughs> coughing all over Nikki Haley attempting to describe why we need to send all the billions to Ukraine and all that and how, you know, how Russia is very, very bad and all that. And that's why, you know, we have to go over and gobble up Ukraine, which I have said. A majority of the American people, according to CNN, don't want to send more aid to Ukraine. They think, what, $75 billion to $130 billion, we're somewhere in that range right now, is plenty. But in the Republican Party voting base is not interested in more money to Ukraine, most emphatically. I mean, all Americans, according to the polls, say, no, not interested, but especially the Republican Party voting base. And there's Nikki Haley and Mike Pence and the rest of them out there saying we got to spend more billions on Ukraine. And Chris Christie, the rest of them. Does anybody like Chris Christie, by the way? Apparently, the poll data says that he is despised by every demographic, age group, um, nationality, and background across the board. Every single one. <laughs> Nobody likes Chris Christie. But uh, Politico did find some... Some big donor, one that's bailing on DeSantis, who is going for uh, Chris Christie. And I guess I didn't highlight it in the article, but I thought, oh, there's there's one big donor for Christie. So maybe he'll be able to carry on a little longer with that one big donor. Um, but as far as, you know, the small donations, Trump gets the $35 average donation. He gets the small donors who send in a few dollars to him, which is a very... Very good way to run a campaign. You're not dependent upon one or two or three or four of these big oligarch-type donors. And then when then they start telling you what to do, <laughs> and then they're going to say, oh, if you don't do what I say, I'm not going to send you more money. And so you got to do what I say. And that's what DeSantis did. He flipped on the Ukraine war position to uh, go from his instincts to say skeptical of it to being all for it um, after the donors complained. And so you don't want to be in that position. You want to be on this side of the 
American people, right? That's a that's a much better place to be. Now, just so I get this in there before I I don't want to leave the Colonel Douglas McGregor is the uh one of the authorities on the Ukraine war. And I don't know where where you stand on it, but um McGregor just thinks it's just not going well and McGregor is Distraught that all the money's going to Ukraine and not to Hawaii after the horrific fire we just had over there. Here's another one. The president announced yesterday on one of these tweets, somebody tweets for him, obviously, that the people that have lost everything in Hawaii, thousands of them lost everything, are going to receive a one-time payment of $700. Now, I haven't been to Hawaii in a long time. I'm not even sure I've ever been there, but I know that $700 isn't going to take care of a family for very long. No. But in the meantime, hundreds of millions, billions of dollars continue to flow into this black hole called Ukraine, which I think is an exercise in fraud, deceit, and criminality, to be blunt. So when's it going to stop? When are we going to take care of Hawaii? Uh, Let's go back to Ohio, where we had the derailment and the chemical spill, 4,000 human beings Living in this area, the water is still not fit to drink, as I understand it. We wouldn't even invest the money to move those people to a safer area, even if it meant temporary housing or permanent housing until this thing was cleaned up. What have we done? This is the problem. It is America last on every level. The last people who are consulted, the last people who are benefiting from anything that goes on in Washington are Americans. This cannot go on. It's got to end. And I think it will end. But unfortunately, it's like everything else. We're going to have to be pushed over the cliff into the abyss. And McGregor thinks we are headed into the abyss, which is most unfortunate. And why would we be headed into the abyss? It's because, in my opinion, the ruling class people are bitterly clinging to their power. And uh, they will do anything to keep hold of it. And... um, this uh, the gimmicks and the arrests and the try to deny Trump access to the ballots is just part of the, the stunts and the schemes. They're not going to talk to you about issues. Right. Remember the old days when we would like sit around and have earnest policy debates about, hey, should we have an open border or a closed border? Or, you know, what should we do about taxes? I mean, the Reagan era, should we, should we raise taxes? Should we lower taxes? Should we have bigger government or smaller government? You know, what kind of foreign policy? We, we used to have these debates and we used to have these arguments but now there's no discussion really it's always um the name calling and you know the the anger and, and it's really unfortunate wouldn't wouldn't you rather have you know like at least some rationality in our discourse but for whatever reason, the elites, they're, they're America last to the hilt, and they're just, you know, they're just hell-bent on putting America last. And that uh, Palestine area of Ohio that had the derailment that Colonel McGregor just talked about, Joe Biden, you know, hasn't gone over there to, uh, to be there, to be a presence there, to be a presidential presence there, to lift up people's spirits there. And he, he was saying the other day, I haven't had time to go there. I haven't had, well, he's been on vacation 40% of the time of his presidency. Been on vacation. And that's where some reporter asked him, Biden was sitting on the beach in Delaware after after that fire in Lahaina, Hawaii, and asked him about his thoughts on Hawaii, and, and he said no comment. So 
what what is I mean what what is the matter with with these with these people? And as as I'm thinking about it, we don't seem to have uh, persuasion the same way in this country as we used to have. And this is one of those little, sometimes I do a little propaganda alert. Like, how do you know when you're being propagandized? How do you know? How can you recognize it? And that is one of the ways is, is which when you hear something on the news or when you hear somebody uh, commenting on something in the media, are they appealing to fear? And you heard Nikki Haley just saying that. Are, are they trying to scare you? Or are they trying to appeal to your reason to make a rational case for you to say, yeah, okay, that makes sense. That, that's why I should think this way about this issue. And I would, I would submit that most all of it you hear out there, and I like to think 710 KNUS, your local talk leader, excluded. So much of it out there is the appeal to fear, trying to scare you. You think about it, most everything to do with the climate change debate, which was not really a debate. It's, it's, it's a fear thing. And you think about, okay, COVID's coming back. Uh, do you think that's a fear thing? You've got to mask up again, you know, and here come the vaccinations again. Are they, are they going to go there again? There's so much fear in the discourse, you know, climate and COVID and everything to do with what we're trying to decide upon, our direction as a nation. And what, what does that mean? When, when people come at you and they're trying to scare you and they're trying to make you afraid, why are they doing that? Well, that would be they want to control you. That's a control thing. And they, they don't respect that you might have enough intellect to want to weigh and consider options and variables and different things to be... Uh, you know, considering when you want to have a certain outlook on this or that or the other issue. They, they, they want to control. They want to forestall any kind of rational thought on something because they, they don't want that. And maybe they're worried about that, that if you engage in rational thought, then you might not agree with what they want you to think. And, um, and then that would be bad, right? Then you would be out of their control and they would rather have you under their control. They get very mad when, when you don't submit to their control. They get very mad. They'll try to make you even more afraid. They'll call you names at some point. They'll, that's how they do it. But uh, I think it's better to listen to the folks that would appeal to your sense of reason. Reason. You know, say, hey, you know, this argument this way, this argument this way, you know, you got to weigh these considerations and these factors, and, and it's up to you. What do you think? You know, what, what do you want to do? What do you like? And to me, those are the more reliable voices out there making the case. But do we get that? Do we get that these days? Or, or are you, do you exist to be an object of control for the people who are in power? And w one thing I, I notice is that the elites seem to know that what the people want is not what the elites want. They know this. And that's why the elites often mask what their true agenda is about why they want a wide-open border. Like, they don't admit it. Biden says, no, no we're enforcing the border. We're, we've got a secure border. They, they say that, but they don't, of course. And you know that it's just a wide-open sieve of a border. 
and they don't they don't just come straight out and say what they really want. They don't come out and say it because they know the people don't like it. And so the, there's there's a guilty conscience on some level, but which they also resent. They don't don't want the voters being able to think and make up their own minds and make their own decisions or maybe have the option of voting for Trump on the ballot, maybe in Colorado. See, they, they don't want to allow that. They want to forestall all of that and blockade all of that because they'd really like to be the ones in charge calling the shots. And that's, that's how it goes. And you can see this, that how, how come they don't, aren't just forthright about their agenda? Why don't they just come out and say what they really want to do and what their vision is for the future? You don't ever hear them make those cases and make those arguments. Because if they did, they would be rejected more thoroughly by the voters, more than they're already being rejected as more and more millions of Americans wake up and see through it. Anyway, a little discourse on some of that. And just remember, when they're trying to scare you or they're trying to appeal to you by fear, know that that is a mechanism for control. And it's a little bit more trustworthy to to have people that appeal to your sense of reason as a dignified human being, as a rational human being, capable of using your own mind and thinking your own thoughts and figuring it out for yourself, which is I'm an advocate of that. We've got to figure things out for ourselves and step aside, break free, see through the layers of propaganda that surround us at all times in this country. At any rate, let's take a little break. It's Matt Dunn. I'm in for Stefan Tubbs, 303-696-1971. You're invited, should you have thoughts. Be right back. There we go, a little Stone Temple Pilots, I believe, there. Matt Dunn sitting in for Stefan Tubbs this evening. Hope you're easing on home and hope the traffic isn't too outrageous on these Denver Metro roads. Should you be listening in this area? I'm the Backbone Radio Guy on Sundays, and from time to time I'll come in on weekdays and say a few things, pipe up a little bit. But one thing that uh, the political class in America is is kind of clamped up, they're, they're nervous, they're distraught, and they're fragile to begin with in so many ways, but... They can't find anybody else who polls better than Joe Biden running in the 2024 um, election. And this uh, this Barris guy talks about, you know, he's he's run Trump against every other candidate and all the Republicans and nobody does better than Biden, which is trouble for the Democrats. because The Democrats are starting to kind of realize, I think, that Biden is unelectable. His job approval has been hovering in the high 30s, low 40s. Uh, IBD has his approval at 41%, Biden's job approval. And he does uh, quite a bit worse on the, uh, in terms of the perceptions of Biden's stewardship of the economy. So Biden is not looking good, and Trump is ahead of Biden in so many of the, of the polls. It has got them... Very, very concerned. And, the, and, and they also, they don't have a bench. So the Democrats, where do they go? In my opinion, they had this trouble in 2020. They just didn't have a bench. Biden probably pulled the best of all of them. 
and they couldn't find anybody else to run, so they had to put Biden down in the basement and prop him up a little bit and uh, run that sort of basement campaign. And you know how that all played out. But what is motivating? What is motivating the left to try to deny Trump access to the ballot and like they're starting it here in Colorado? And you're going to see this crop up in some other states, and it's completely unconstitutional. It's a ridiculous interpretation of the 14th Amendment. It's not going to go anywhere, but it'll sustain their need for, you know, the news hits and the echo chamber for a while here. So I just say don't, you know, don't get your dauber down about this one. But you want to hear the sound of Democrat panic. You can listen to what uh, Donna Brazile was saying on the Sunday morning show. I just grabbed this this clip. But Sundance, the conservative treehouse, says this. Donna Brazile is very concerned, panicked even, that young Latino and black voters are now turning their back on the Democrat machine. And while they are not supporting Republicans, they are fully supporting Donald Trump. Donna Brazile won't admit it, but this is exactly the reason why the Republican and Democrat apparatus are working together to try to get rid of Trump. President Donald Trump represents the first modern political opponent to the uniparty, the illusion of distinction between the RNC and the DNC. In essence, the policies and perspectives that Donald Trump represents form a unique contrast to the almost identical Democrat-Republican dynamic. The MAGA coalition is built of Republicans, Independents, and Democrats, which is always highlighted by the largest ever support network for Republican Trump amid Latinos and blacks. This ABC panel struggles with the reality of Godzilla Trump destroying the professional political class, while simultaneously the panel tries to promote and defend the customary leftist narratives okay and let's 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 hear a little donna brazil and this if you translate this what she's saying is trump's going to win trump's going to win wake up everybody wake up political people we got to figure some bunch of tricks out to stop this race i don't ask you the question i asked tim kane stephanopoulos uh, here there it it is kind of shocking in a way that despite all of the baggage that donald trump carries he's tied with joe biden right now yeah, I mean, George, when I looked at that recent poll, the Wall Street Journal, I, I said, oh, this could keep me up. And I look, the problem is, and the biggest challenge we face as, as Democrats, I say we because I'm a Democrat, is that young voters, young black and Latino voters, they're not ready to come back to the party. They're not even looking at the, the so-called messaging that's being sent to them about the economy, about climate change, about student debt relief. They are worried about their future. And right now they're looking for a leader who represents their values and their vision. And I think the, the president's campaign is going to have to really, you know, go deep and go hard to motivate those voters to come back within the Democratic Party coalition. Because without them, it is a tight race and it's going to come down to four states. And, and so, mm, yeah, that is Donna Brazile nervous. That is the American political class nervous. They see weakening support among some of the traditional Democrat voting bases. They see that. It worries them. It freaks them out. And so they've got to come up with some set of stunts, folks. They've got to figure something out. And you're seeing it here in Colorado. We talked about it in hour two about trying to deny Trump access to the ballot. Okay. So 
come on, why not have the debate? Why not just, you know, let, let's run, let's have a democracy, let's, like, let the voters decide, right? Oh, the political class does not trust the voters. <laughs> they don't want to let you be able to choose. They want to tell you who to vote for, and they want to limit your sphere of choice so that you have to do what they want. It's a control thing. But Donna Brazil had more to say. And again, you know, it's a movement. It's a movement. It's the MAGA movement here. And if you add up tens of millions, tens of millions of Americans, part of the, put America first. Hey, not Ukraine. Let's look at Hawaii. Go down the list. Secure borders. Trade deals that benefit the American people for a change. Against the ruling class, against the deep state, which is how many people are in that that bunch is it thousands millions against thousands that's why they're nervous and they're they're looking at the data oh you bet they are but i have to say something because george i'm old enough to say this uh i've seen two movements outside of the social justice movements in my life on the political side one was the reagan movement reagan had a hold on his base the country at large they saw him as someone who was willing to stand up for american values whatever that might have meant now i thought it was reactionary uh, the other movement i saw was, was barack obama hope and change that galvanized the american people i've never seen any Thing like this with Donald Trump. I mean, what doesn't kill you make you stronger? I mean, being convicted, I mean, being indicted, that's making him stronger? Raising $10 million using an ugly mugshot uh, to raise money? This is a movement. And anyone who thinks that you can apply the old political rules to trying to defeat this candidate based on he's scary, he's ugly, whatever you might want to call him, this is a movement. And we have to respect the fact that it's a movement. Uh, see, there you go. He's scary, he's ugly. See? They want to scare you. They want to scare you. And when people appeal to your fear, they go right to the fear thing. They're trying to control you. They're not, like, wanting to apply reason or let you choose or let you decide. They want to scare you. That's the old political rules, apparently, according to Donna Brazile. So what are the new rules? Arrest, indict, mugshot? Is that the new rules? But they're running out of options. They can't seem to figure it out. And Brazil is so flummoxed that, oh, gosh, we mugshot him, we arrest him, we indict him, all the rest of the tricks we've done, and it only makes him stronger. This is a movement. Again, translate that. That's ABC News Sunday, Donna Brazil talking with George Snuffleupagus sitting right there nodding his head going, oh, no, oh, no, oh, oh, boy, oh, boy. Yeah. The mugshot has made Trump stronger. That's just the fact of the matter. The deep state has overreached. The left has overreached, overextended themselves. And that's the thing is people, people sense it. They sense it. They know it. Kimberly Guilfoyle writes in the Washington Times yesterday, her, her column, MAGA mugshot momentum. More signs Americans are ready for a Trump comeback. Oh, the art of the comeback, huh? She says this, quote, if the Trump campaign wants to distill its message down to its core mission, consider this. With Mr. Trump in the Oval Office, life gets better. The border will be secure. Wages will rise and businesses will thrive. America's adversaries will think twice about accelerating their aggression. And there will be revenge against the corrupt rot inside the federal bureaucracy. This election is a moment to rejuvenate the American spirit like never before. It's a moment to get it right for hard-working American families nationwide. 
the stakes are very high for 2024. And I do worry, and Tucker Carlson's been asking this question. He asked Trump just the other day, hey, do you worry about being assassinated? Do you worry about your personal safety? Tucker says he's a very, very worried about this as look at the trajectory of all the things they've tried to do to stop Trump, all the things, all the stunts, all the tricks, all the hoaxes, and they can't do it. They're getting more scared. You hear Donna Brazile scared. What will these people do next? I am worried about this. And I think it needs to be spoken about openly. That's something we need to really worry about is Trump's personal safety. And the people on top bitterly clinging to their power. You know, how far will they go to keep on bitterly clinging to their power? But in terms of making Trump stronger, all of their stunts. Listen to this uh, independent voter woman. She's onto it. I mean, her eyes are opening. She's awakening. She's she's saying, hmm, gosh, look at all the money they're spending. They're trying to do all this. Maybe, gosh, maybe Trump has been right all along. This is the kind of stuff that happens when you go too far, when you throw too many straws on the camel's back, is the revelation that, that this woman has and shares with us here. I thought, let's, let's just listen to this. Could, could you be in this category as a voter? So if you followed me for a while, you know that I never stick up for Trump. I'm an independent and I see things on both sides and I see the positive and negative. Here's the deal though. When you are spending so much money, time and energy on trying to take somebody down, it makes me want to look at things differently. Trump is no longer the president, yet this current administration, pretty much majority of the time, blames everything on Trump even though they've been the current administration for two years. The fact that they're spending so much, again, time, money, and energy on trying to take him down, I'm starting to feel like maybe everything that he said was true. Like, I remember when he was first president, if you follow me, you know this, I was devastated, right? And he was saying things like, fake news. And I was like, what a douchebag, right? And he's talking about how much evil there was and how the MSN, the mainstream media and the liberals and Democrats were hiding from us and were actually doing some very sketchy, illegal, awful things. And I kept thinking, my God, what a, what he's, he's lost his mind. But now when the left, the, the media, the liberals and Democrats are trying so hard to take him down and silence him, I'm like, hmm. Maybe he wasn't that crazy. Maybe he does have information and knowledge about things that they're doing, and that's why they're spending so much time, energy, and money on trying to take him down and silence him. Pretty much silence everybody who doesn't agree and toe the line. It makes me, and I hope a lot of other people, open their minds and their eyes and see what truly might be going on. I mean, at least pause, take a step back and think, could I be wrong? Could everything I've been told be wrong? And I think if you take some time and delve and do some research research that's not just given to you, like go and delve in and get more information from more than one resource, your eyes are going to be opened. Now I'm awake, not woke. It's uncomfortable to see the things, and I get it, right? It might feel better not to know these things and believe these things, but it's dangerous if you don't see them and if you don't speak about them. By the time you do see them, it's going to be too late to speak about them and to fight back. Party logic. There we go. That was the awakening shared by an independent voter, woman. 
And I think there's something to that. Again, so many straws on the camel's back, so many tricks and stunts and hoaxes, you start thinking, whoa, whoa, I don't know. Could you be in that category? Could you be sharing in this awakening? Oh, sometimes you, sometimes you can feel the weight of an awakening, and that's got the political class even more nervous. Here we go, headed to 2024. The stakes are high, ladies and gentlemen, and as Joe Rogan says, we got to wake the blank up, and we got to do it now. By the way, Mr. Nicholas, thank you for getting that clip. That was awesome. That was really, really some persuasion there. See, that's persuasion. That's not like fear. That's not trying to scare you. That's, that's reason and persuasion. That's what I like. That's what we like around here. That's what we do. <laughs> that's our M.O. At any rate, hey, one more segment to go, by gosh. Where, the, where is the time gone? It's Matt Dunn. I'm in for Stefan Tubbs. It's break time. Be right back. So, Jim... The great Stefan Tubbs had this in his rotation, had this song in his own rotation, yeah, huh? I did not load it. Okay. Hey, that's great. Walking on the sun. Is it still going under us? Is it still, uh, oh, you stopped it. Oh, okay. Well, we played that in hour one because sadly we we did lose uh, Steve Harwell, the lead singer of Smash Mouth, and that's my favorite song by them. came out in 97, Walking on the Sun. Walking on the Sun. And uh, and we also lost American Icon. By the way, kudos to Tubbs for having that one on, because that's the one. That's the one. That's the main one. Um, early Morning. What's the morning song they do is also right up there. And by the way, big thanks, Matt Dunn, sitting in for Stefan Tubbs, for all the great text to studio. I was able to reply to some here and there. Somehow we were just always so busy in the breaks and all that, and I was talking so much. But hellos, hellos. And thanks for the fine folks who have checked in and chatted with us by phone. But Jimmy, Jimmy Buffett, you know, I've, I worked as an usher three days in a row at the Jimmy Buffett shows in the late, it was the early 90s, somewhere in there, I was a high school kid. And that sort of opened my eyes to like everybody was dressed up like a parrot head, the Hawaiian shirt and the flip flops and everybody was having such a good time. And Jimmy Buffett just seems... This this curious combination of being so laid back, so likable, just such a good guy. You never heard of anybody not liking Jimmy Buffett. But underneath that core, he was a very astute businessman, and he became a billionaire. He was an absolute billionaire and, you know, shamelessly commercial and all of that. Um, so one of those guys, like, it's kind of like your friend in, in school who... So laid back, everybody likes him, but always aces every exam, <laughs> aces every single test. And you're like, gosh, I, di- I didn't know that, you know, um, that guy would ever study. But, you know, some people like that. That's to me is what uh, what Buffett did. And um, I, uh, I there, there's a bunch of people who said, you know, hey, um, Buffett managed to embrace the fun loving lifestyle that allowed him to become an icon of the relaxed island life while simultaneously working hard enough and smart enough to become a self-made billionaire. That's what uh, Jeremy Carl writes in his reminiscence of, he's a Claremont Institute senior fellow, and uh, apparently he, he got to know Buffett over the years and even almost uh, did a business venture together, though he decided he would not go into into business. Um, 
And Carl says, I'd first become a big fan of Buffett's while a student at Yale, largely as an antidote to the university's achieve-at-all-costs ethos. Jimmy was relaxed, friendly, and made it seem like nothing had big stakes, and there would always be oysters and beer at the end of the rainbow. Yeah. So, you know, I just I just would put that out. Somehow Buffett had that ability to, just that, that likability and that gentle island escapism that he described his music as. And do I have, uh, do I still have, um, where's Volcano? I got Volcano on here. This is a good example. I won't play Margaritaville because you hear that once and it's stuck in your head for for years. And not just like one year, but multiple years. You know, the I don't know where I'm going to go. I mean, this, I remember, I remember when I was ushering the concert, it was, man, the crowd was digging and grooving to this one. But everybody likes Buffett. Anybody not like Buffett? At any rate, it is, it is my want to get a little philosophical, you know, with the island escapism. And of course, I just read Robinson Crusoe. The story of the guy, this book came out in 1719 by Daniel Defoe. And it's a really fun read. It's a really, there's, there's a reason why that book has been in print ever since 1719. But Robinson Crusoe gets stuck on this island for 28 years, if I recall the exact amount of years, before he finally gets off with his man Friday. And if you've never actually read the Robinson Crusoe, I recommend read it, you know, and my father-in-law read it to my 10-year-old son, who enjoyed it a great deal. And it's a rather sophisticated novel, and some of the like Christian theology he gets into, he's, he's stuck out there on this island, he's got a Bible, and he really gets to know the Bible. I think, you know, hey, you know, that's... And anyway, so Robinson Crusoe, he's stuck on the island, so is, is the island stuck, he'd rather try to escape his island, whereas Buffett's telling you to try to escape to the island, and Robinson Crusoe, on the opposite pole, is trying to get off the darn island, but he was stuck. At any rate, stuck there, he's got his Bible. Anyway, I'm just thinking about it. You know, Robinson Crusoe out there is based on a true story of a sailor who got marooned on an island off the coast of Chile, is the, uh, the actual individual. Um, this guy got stuck out there for decades and then finally got off of it and wrote a big, long two-volume memoir of it that Daniel Defoe read prior to writing Robinson Crusoe. But it's a, it's a good adventure story. But there's Robinson Crusoe. He's stuck out there on the island, man. And he has no news media. He has no screens. Of course, this is before all of that. He has nothing to read but the Bible. And... um no propaganda anywhere around him. Just kind of him out there on an island. So what does he do? He, he becomes incredibly industrious and incredibly resourceful. And he actually spends like six months building a boat. Every day he's trying to figure out how to build a boat. And day after day, day after day, he goes out, he, he carves this boat. He doesn't have like the best tools to work. So it takes him forever. But he's got all the time. And so he just builds this boat. And um, so then he tries to sail it off, the, but then the current doesn't let him get away, and it became very dangerous, so his plan was foiled <laughs> by the currents. And, uh, you know, he built these amazing shelters, um, different abodes for him to live in. 
and he became incredibly industrious with like he figured out how to make fire and how to cook things and how to then he became like this great farmer he figured out because there were somehow there was these goats on the island and other animals and different kinds of birds and things and but he figured out how to like set up these farms and figured out like which seasons you know you plant and then when you harvest and how often and I was just thinking about it, you know say you, you don't have screens on you you don't have all the distractions of modern life and Maybe you could become as industrious as a Robinson Crusoe. I mean, what what could we do with our own hands and using our own minds if we were in that kind of a situation, right? But at any rate, the character inspired Robinson Crusoe. He would walk up to the top of this mountain every day. He would walk up to the top, and he would look out looking for a ship, looking for a way off. And every day he did that, he still had hope for his condition, for his future for his chance to get off and be a part of human society again. And he did that for 28 years and finally got off that island. There is hope. Matt Dunn, signing out. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.